Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, a different take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to a different take. Thank you, Abraham. It's a pleasure to be here to celebrate my birthday on your podcast. I'm so thrilled because when I reached out to you and you said you're going to be on your birthday today, I thought she's carving out a special place for us on her birthday. So I really appreciate it. Happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate that too. Any, any fancy plans for today? Uh, my husband is cooking lunch for me mm. and my younger sister is dropping a cake that she had ordered and hopefully my son and his family will pop in for cake and tea. We can't really do much because of the restrictions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wishing you the very best. I hope you enjoyed that cake and we need more husbands who cook us dinners on our lunches on our birthdays and every day. So kudos to him. Well, my husband has been cooking quite a lot during this lockdown. He's certainly <laughs> cooked a lot more than I have and he's been enjoying it. So it's been a fabulous treat for me. Lucky you. Well, say my regards to him. I will. I will. So Wendy, there are a lot of things that you and I could talk about. And I sent you a list of things and said, what is it that you would like to talk about? And of that list, you picked mentoring. Why is that the thing that stood out to you? There is a number of reasons. Over the years, I have had so many people who have sold into my own life. And I believe very strongly that to whom much is given, much is expected. So it's been very important for me to give back and to pay it forward. So of all the things that I've done, I think that mentoring has given me that privilege to sow into the lives of other people. And that's why I chose that. And so many of us are lucky that formally or informally, you've actually mentored us. And I remember you and I had what I consider a really odd first meeting, odd in the sense that we met on the stage in yes. Accra, remember. <laughs> and my introduction to you was long before I met you, which is I was doing, I was presenting you the award. So I went out and did my research and talked to a lot of people about you. And so I got to know Wendy before I actually met you. And what stands out to me about those few days, Wendy, was the fact that you went out to lunch one of those days with a group of women. And I remember seeing you come out of the car and there were two or three cars and almost a dozen women came out with you. And it was such a powerful sight for me to see, me to take out your time, fly to Accra and spend the whole three or four days with a group of women at different points in their career. Why is it so important to you to mentor women and especially African women? I think that we need to be deliberate about sharing our experiences between generations so that we can break the cycles of feeling disempowered, uh, feeling inadequate, or feeling that we're not good enough. I, if I look at my own mother, um, she didn't really share 
her own life story. You know, she left her marriage when we were very young and we never had a conversation about why she did that. I also had a girlfriend who told me about her mother who recently passed away and how people used to describe her as subservient. And when she really gave it some thought, she realized that she became subservient because of what she experienced. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. she went to the grave without sharing that. So there's something that we're missing between generations that mm -hmm. is not enabling us to, to live a life that, or to pass on the tools that are more enabling for us to engage with life. And, and so that's why for me it's important, you know, not because my own experiences are, are particularly special. I, I attach value to every experience. And yeah. I've, I've seen how when women share their experiences, how we each are blessed by that. Because each of our experiences lays a, um, lays, what shall I call it? Um, I don't know, I can't, I can't think of the word. But it, it makes a meaningful contribution towards our growth. Yeah. And so it's important that we, we share each other's experiences. And for me, mentoring allows me to do that. Because as I share my experiences, I get to be blessed by the experiences of the one that I'm sharing with. And I absolutely love what you said for different reasons. But the thing that stands out to me when you talk about sharing stories is I always think of sharing stories as giving yourself permission, but more importantly, giving others the space and permission to tell their own stories. Yes. yes. No, I don't even think that same way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is about giving each other permission to, to honor our stories and to honor and to validate our experiences because we live in a world that is constantly invalidating us. Yes. And so when women share, and it's I think eleven shared, uh, quite a bit of that when uh, we were in Cape Town, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so the, 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 whole, the whole concept of how we, the world invalidates women, especially black women, needs to be challenged. And I think we, we break that cycle when we share our stories and our experiences and and give and honor them and honor them as valid you know yes. validating is about saying your story is valid my story is valid and it's meaningful and it has a purpose in in all your time in the corporate world and you you've worked for companies like bmw you have an impressive resume in all your time wendy what would you say are some of the leadership lessons that you were taught, which really made a difference in your life and which you're now able to impart to those who you mentor? Mostly from my mother, because I was the first generation to have a corporate job, to become a professional in a corporate yeah. environment. And so the lessons that I took to the corporate environment really came from my mother. Mm -hmm. And those were primarily about not settling for less and not allowing circumstances. You know, we grew up 
in South Africa, you know, everyone is familiar with the circumstances within which we grew up uh, in a system that definitely invalidated Black people and particularly Black women. Yes. And, and so my mother made sure that we didn't allow circumstances to, to define our ambitions in life that we we didn't allow other people to determine what we were capable of you know that th those are decisions that we need to make for ourselves mm -hmm. and and you know so the lessons the leadership lessons that are passed on to people are not really profound lessons they are just very basic stuff because ultimately i think life is is just about applying common sense and those are the lessons that i think our mothers if you look at the conversations that you've had with your mothers or things that you've observed that your yeah. mother has done those are the lessons that i think have the greatest impact on us you know they are not lessons that you would learn from harvard but they, they are meaningful lessons that are just very are, are, are very basic but enrich your life and enable you to, to find the confidence and the courage to be, to be who you are meant to be. Yeah. You know, I, what you said about common sense struck me because growing up in Cameroon, one of the things that, you know, you get reprimanded by an adult and then they look at you and say, it's common sense. And then they'd say that common sense is not common. And that's something that stays with me because you're absolutely right. A lot of times we try to jump to level two or step three of any process and we haven't gotten the foundation or the basics. And a lot of these basics we learn at home with the family or even in primary school, right? So now when I look at the, what, what's happening in the world, especially in the U.S. right now, some of the foundational questions I'm asking is what happens to some of the basic things that we learn in grade school around courtesy? around politeness, around honesty, just really foundational things, right? That you don't need to get a degree in order to, in order to get. Abama, I really feel very strongly that developing the next generation of confident and resilient women leaders should really keep us all awake at night because there's such a leadership deficit in the world. Yeah. And one of the things I've been following amongst other things we're in such a crazy time i saw something on twitter today that said i cannot believe we're not even halfway through 2020 yet because so much has happened and one of the things i see coming through a lot is about leadership during the coronavirus pandemic and again and again many of the leaders who've been viewed as having aced aced it in terms of how they've managed the crisis have been women exactly. in your experience what is it? And I'm not saying that, you know, men cannot be great leaders. We've had some phenomenal male leaders. But what is it that, in your opinion, makes women strong leaders? And what are those qualities that we tend to actually ignore, which turn out to be really valuable in leadership, especially in troubled times? You know, we live in a world that overvalues experience. And experience has its place. So again, I think to go back to the common sense. So when there's a crisis, women are generally better placed 
to respond to the crisis because mm. they see things as they are. They don't have to draw from previous experience. They look at what is going on. You know, we are able to be in the moment. Yes. Times of crisis requires us to be in the moment. And for me, the best leadership is leadership that draws from that moment and says, what is going on now? Read it correctly and be able, perhaps the, the advantage we might have is that we're able to tap into our intuition and our wisdom to respond to the situation. And intuition and wisdom is not common amongst male leaders, you know, and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm just distinguishing from what I have observed that the ability that we have as women is that we can tap into our intuition and into our wisdom when there's a crisis. And I think that's what we've witnessed during this, um, this pandemic. And I just beamed, right, when you talked about experience being overvalued. I think there's a place for experience. But what this pandemic has shown us is in a world where no one has had experience with something like this, you don't have a rule book to play from. And then it's something else. Yes. Something you have else to think from inside. Yes, yes. No, I hadn't even thought about it in that way. Yeah, and women really live, we live our lives um, intuitively and from wisdom, mm -hmm. you know, and again, I think that's something that we, we've inherited from our, from our mothers, mm -hmm. you know, that they pass on what I would define as wisdom, which, you know, they, they impart that to us and that lives with us and we are able to tap into it when needed. Yes. And that's why it's important to be deliberate about how we share those stories and how we impart, you know, because uh, for me, the impartation is, is a gift between the generations and we need to be deliberate about doing that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, wow, that, that part is going to really stay with me for a long time because I haven't heard anyone articulate in quite that way in explaining why we saw such a different leadership between the you know female leaders uh, or presidents and the male and the male presidents i've heard you say and i found this really strange the first time you said because i didn't understand and then i watched some more of that the video where you said it and i understood that you said the richest place in the world is the graveyard tell me more about that because that's where most of the dreams and ambitions and aspirations of many people were never realized. So they take them to the grave. It, it's it's not, they are not my words. They are not my words. They, it's something that I heard someone say, and it stayed with me, impacted me in the same way that it impacts you. Yes. And part of my, my passion for mentoring is, is to enable as many women as possible to find the courage to pursue their dreams and their aspirations and their ambitions, because that's what enriches the world. The world is enriched by us contributing our dreams, our visions, our aspirations, you know, and we live in an environment that doesn't really encourage that. 
So we need to find a different way of keeping that alive and helping or enabling as many people as possible to see the importance of that. Because we come to the world with very unique gifts, however they express themselves. And the purpose of being here is to use our gifts to leave the the world a better place. And if we don't do that, we take them to the grave with us. And that's why the graveyard is the richest place. Oh, I think such a somber picture, but there's so much truth in it. I heard it and I just, my heart arrested. I just thought, oh my goodness, how much am I giving to the grave versus to the world? And who needs it more? Yes, exactly. And the world needs it more. Humanity needs it more. You know, because if we don't, if we don't allow that to happen, we've we've impoverished the world. We've added to, to the poverty of the world. You know, and poverty in the world is not just in the monetary terms. It's, it's really in, in withholding those gifts because we live in a world that is constantly reminding us of our inadequacy mm-hmm. instead of encouraging us to be magnificent human beings. Mm-hmm. How do we, on that point of inadequacy, it's come up a few times in this conversation. We have our family, which is a small unit, our extended family, which is slightly bigger, our tribe, so to speak, which is a bit bigger, which tells us that we're good and we're beautiful and we're special and we're smart. And then we go to school and then we go into the world, into the workplace. And not everyone is a fan. And not everyone tells us this thing. In fact, sometimes they tell us the, the, the opposite. How do we bring up our girls to understand the difference between what the outside world tells you and what you're at home? And some homes are not even the safest place, right, in terms of building a self-esteem. But what, what lessons can we teach young girls in that very early age about what it is to have a sense of self? Abam, we have to model it. You know, if you need to teach your child to swim, you can't stand at the edge of the pool and give them instructions about how to do it. You have to jump into the pool with them, right? So we have to model the values that we want our daughters and our sons to live by. We can't tell them one thing and do something else. So the greatest way of teaching them is how we live our lives are the choices that we make. Even when we make choices that do not serve us, Mm -hmm. if we could engage them about why we make those choices, Mm -hmm. there are not enough conversations between generations in our homes to explain because children see a lot of the things that happen at home. But because they are not part of the conversations, they are not brought into the conversations that help them understand why their parents make the choices that they make. The, the popular one is where a marriage, or a, yeah, marriage, it has to be a marriage that's not working. Yes. And the, the mother generally will choose to stay in the marriage and say she's doing it for the children. But what she doesn't realize is that the choice that she's making is causing more harm to the children because the children can see 
what is happening in the home. So we model behaviors to our children that are incongruent with the values that we are teaching them. So it's important that we, we walk our talk, we speak our truth, and that what we mean what we say. So that as we teach them the values, they look at us and they see us modeling these values. Because that's what establishes the foundation that they need to carry with them when they go into the world. They're not going to acquire that in the world. They need to go into the world with the foundation intact already. And that's our role as parents. I've often felt that we should probably have a parenting school because mm -hmm. we can bring up our children the way that we were brought up. We are growing up in a completely different time. Yeah. So we yeah. need to be taught how to be the best parents that we can be because we are custodians. We are just shepherds for these children that pass through us and our responsibility is to equip them in the best way that we can for life and and one of the ways is to is to to make sure that they are confident young people who have a strong sense of value about who they are who can stand their own in the world who can challenge people who feel that they are inadequate or whatever insults we have to contend with when we go into yeah. the world yeah yeah the so many nuggets in there one stands out to me you talk about parents being custodians oftentimes it's less it's less an issue of vocabulary and more a thing of mindset where we think our children are our belonging and yes. that they own something and when they grow up, they must pay us back. Yes. And I, I really struggle with that. Yeah. And for all the things I teach my son about being independent, I, I try to tell him, you know, I need to do for myself because I don't want you to be beholden to doing for me my exactly. own age. Exactly. Because you've come into this world to do your own work. And the reason I raise that is because one of the things that comes up a lot when women reach out to me, and probably to you, to serve as mentors, is I have all this stuff. I have work, I have a family, I have my parents. How can I have it all? Is it possible? And when I sit down and I listen to the, 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 the responsibility that are placed on women and the ask and the demands of society are so many, I'm not even sure with how, what to tell them as to where to start because I do understand they need to be a mother and to, and to be a wife and to be a daughter and an aunt and a, and a sister. But then we're putting on top of all of that a, a request to them to go and pursue their dreams. Wendy, you've done a lot of this. How did you do it? And what can you tell women growing up in this age about how to really look at these things on their plate and start having honest conversations about what they can and cannot do and who they owe and do not owe? You know, Abam, I went through a period where I believed in the story of Superwoman. Mm -hmm. And then luckily, I very quickly realized that this was another deception that is invented by other people, not us. We didn't invent the, the concept of Superwoman. I, I suspect it was invented by men. <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to, to push us 
you know, to rise to unattainable standards. Mm -hmm. So my rules are very clear. It's important. We can't do everything. So that's my starting point. Secondly, we have to draw boundaries in our relationships, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, or whether that's with your family. We don't draw, women don't draw boundaries. We're an open-ended reservoir of generosity, of giving, until we, we fall apart. Thirdly, we must learn to say no and have that be a full sentence. We don't have to explain ourselves. I'm sure you've heard women saying no and then give you a thesis about why they can't. I do that. I do that. No, it's a full sentence. And it's amazing to see how people react when you say no, and that's the end of the sentence. And they are waiting. They are waiting for yes. an explanation for that can argue, you know, and, and, and try and convince you otherwise. And so often, even when we've said no, we allow ourselves to be convinced out of our no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, these are really the three ground rules. I'm, I cannot do everything. I draw boundaries around all my different relationships. And I'm able to say no and feel nothing. I feel no guilt about it. Yes. And have that no be a sentence. Yes, and you say, you say it in the sweetest way possible, with love, you know? So it's, it's a no that is with love. It's offered with love. And it, for me, it's better to say no to you than to say yes and end up being a no anyway because I couldn't honor my commitment. Yeah, yeah. And that's what often happens, that we overcommit ourselves because we are unable to say no. And then we end up, um, you know, being um, irresponsible. We end up letting people down because we were not able to honor our commitments. So again, you know, just being very logical about life. Isn't it better to say no at the beginning? You know, I could have, imagine if I had agreed to do this interview and then I don't show up. We have to show up in life. It's important, not just as women, but as human beings, it's important that we show up in life. Because that's, yeah. that's how we honor ourselves and that's how we honor God. That's how we yeah. honor our talents. That's, that's how we honor who we are. We have to show up and when we show up, we have to show up as authentically as possible. Yeah, you, I mean, that's such a stark difference, right? Saying no upfront and being called maybe a word in the book or the other and just being irresponsible or underperforming. I mean, the choice is so, is so stark. It's it, easy it to decide which way you want to go when you put it that smartly. So when you... This already feels like a mentoring session, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm well, sure for everyone. Now you see why mentoring appeals to me. So out of the many, and you sent me very inviting choices. And when I got to the last one, I was like, that's the one for me. That's, that's the, one. the one. Yes. So when you, wait, wait, I imagine a lot of people reach out to you to mentor them. When you, when you are deciding who to mentor, what are you looking for? 
because you can't mentor everyone, right? My, my rule is that I mentor everyone who comes to me because if you have found me and you are asking me to mentor you, I'm assuming you've done your homework and there's something that you need from me that I might be able to offer you. So I, I mentor. My rule is whoever finds me, I will mentor. Are you there? Okay. Are you that's, there? That's... I lost you for a second. And the way that I approach it is that people need to determine what it is that they need from me. So I get them to do the homework. So by the time they come to me, they must have thought through how, why is it that they are coming to me? What are they looking for? What is the guidance that they need in their life? And, you know, so that, that's really, they have to own the process. So I don't own the process of mentorship. I merely, yes. I merely offer myself as, as, as a resource. You know, I always say that mentoring people for me represents my worship of God. You know, so if God was able to come down on earth and you had a conversation with him, how would that look like? I just merely use myself as a vessel to enable you to understand issues in your life that may not be clear, to enable the person to, to recognize their greatness, to recognize how to develop their courage, how to develop their confidence. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. But when you were almost at time, and this would be wonderful, and I do want to respect your time. So in the last, I think, six or seven minutes we have, I had talked to you at the, at the top of the, the show about a game I like to play uh, on this show. It's called The Ten Questions, and it's intended to find a different way to get to know my guests better. So are you ready? Yes, before we do that, can I just conclude the conversation by just borrowing from uh, Mama Grasa Michelle, yes. who says that we all have a responsibility to amplify the voices of women and multiply the voices of, I mean, the faces of women in society. So I just mm -hmm. want to leave that as, as a challenge to all the women and men, it doesn't have to be women who do that. I think that as a as society, we have a responsibility to do that, to do whatever we can to amplify the voices of women and to multiply, to multiply the faces of women in society. Amen to that. Thank you. Um, so just quickly and for fun, we're in difficult economic times and given your, your background in investment, if someone came to you asking for advice as to, what, as to what to do with their stocks, should they buy or should they dump? They should buy. If they have cash, they should buy. This is the time to buy, not to dump. Okay. You're in New York City in a My first post. city. You're, oh, is it? Wonderful. Kind of <laughs> so you're in New York City and you have a, 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 night, a free night. Do you go to the New York Fashion Week to watch a fashion show, or do you go to Broadway to watch a play? Broadway, definitely. If you I could be- my cultural fix. Amen to that. I'm still, I'm still hoping I can watch Hamilton. I don't know when that will be, but I, it's still on my list of things to do. Something to look forward to. 
if you could be a biblical character, would you be King Solomon or the Queen of Sheba? King Solomon. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because, because he, he was offered, he had so many options to ask God for, and he chose to ask for wisdom. And I believe that wisdom is really what sets us apart as human beings. There's not enough wisdom in the world. So I would be King Solomon, definitely. If you could wave your magic wand and solve one of two issues, would you stop war or end famine? Hmm. I would stop war. Okay. That's more long-term than famine. I would stop war. That's more, you know, that, that, yeah. I think I would stop war, definitely. I had to think about that. Famine <laughs> seems more immediate. It's urgent, you know, but I think stopping war would be more sustainable. It would, it would leave a legacy. Okay. Wonderful. If you had the choice to mentor a woman who was just entering the workforce or a woman who was just stepping into her first board meeting, who would you choose? The one that was starting her career. Mm. Because the one who's entering a boardroom is already at the top of the ladder. Okay. You know, I believe very much, and that's why I quoted um, Mama Grassa Michelle's words about amplifying the voices and multiplying faces, because part of what we have to do is to create a critical mass yes. of women who are capable and who are given opportunities to make a difference in the world and to change the world. You know, okay. to bring their magnificence, of course. The world, yeah. You Would know, you rather? Role. Sorry, say again, Wendy. I was just saying to play a meaningful role in society. You know, ultimately, we just we all want to know that we matter. Yes, that, that's what we're all here to discover. You know, how do we matter in the world? And when we find ourselves in these environments that make us feel like we do not matter, it, it's painful. Yeah. I don't know if you've read these two writers, I assume you have, but Nadine Gordima or Chimamanda Adichie? Uh-huh, yes. Or who would I choose? Yes. Oh dear, that's a tough choice. And I'm not allowed to choose both. No. It would be no fun if you did. <laughs> no, I think I would choose, I would choose, um, what is her first name? Adichie. Chimamanda, yes. Chimamanda. I would choose Chimamanda, yes. They're both the reason, the reason I would choose her is because she represents the younger generation. Mm. She's mm. speaking to the issues now. You know, so she's now. she's current. She's now, yeah. She's not not because Nadim Godna is not is not relevant, but you know, for the times that we're living in, I think that uh, she's, she's really calling women to rise and to, to step into their power. And that's what's needed.
we need more and more women to step into their power and authority. We have power and authority, which we've abdicated for years, and we need to step into it so that the world can recognize our presence. And she does it so unapologetically. Yes, Amazing. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But she does it also in a very elegant and inviting way. Yes. <laughs> you know, in a beautiful way. Yes, wonderful. You're going out and you can only take one of these two things. Jewelry or makeup? Jewelry. You can see your necklace now. My Kinte cloth necklace, yes. I love it. Yes. I saw that earlier. Would you rather be wealthy or gifted? Gifted. Definitely gifted because my gifts can lead me to wealth. But to choose to be wealthy is such a narrow choice. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a really good. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like options. I like choices that give me options. And choosing to be gifted gives me lots of options. And one of them yeah. could, could be to become well, wealthy, right? Uh, after a very difficult board or executive meeting, you go home. What do you? What would you rather do? Have a really quick shot of something strong, or meditate? Oh, definitely meditate. I thought you were gonna give me an option of a bath with rose petals and a candle. Definitely meditate. <laughs> and the last one, the tenth one, is. If you could invite anyone for dinner in the sanctity of your home, would it be President Ramaphosa or Trevor Noah? Trevor Noah, definitely. I want a good laugh. Wonderful. I wouldn't want to have dinner discussing politics. I would rather have a dinner laughing my head off, <laughs> especially <laughs> during this time. I think we need, we need as much humor as we can. And I've yeah. seen a lot of speculating. I mean, I did, you know, people's creativity really comes alive when people are under siege. And yeah. some of the things I've seen have just been remarkable. That's wonderful. Wendy, thank you so much. Usually at this point in the show, before we go, I said, do you have any last words? And I, I don't know if you do, since you had shared Mama, Michelle's um, words with us but if you have anything else that you want to impart before we go off yes, please go yes. I, I do i think that my my last thought would be that we all of us whatever generation we are we need to see ourselves as torchbearers and that we have a responsibility to hold the ladder for the women that will come behind us so that if they slip from the ladder, we can catch them. So we shouldn't hold the ladder from the top. We should hold the ladder from the bottom. We should come back down, hold the ladder for them, allow them to climb up that ladder. And if for some reason they slip off the ladder, we are there to catch them. I love so that. that's my invitation. That's my invitation for for all of us and for all of our generations. That, that's the responsibility we have. Wonderful. 
thank you so much. Happy birthday. I would sing you a happy birthday song, but I have a terrible voice. And just, <laughs> you know, this would be a real treat, like I said, in the mentoring session. So thank you for what you do for men and women everywhere in the world that you mentor, and especially for African women, because I have seen you in action, and it is a wonderful thing to watch. So thank you, Wendy. It's a pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. Lots of love. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please share your thoughts in the comments below or email us at ab.mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, invite a friend or many for more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe. Subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take and join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo. Sigashina, stay well.